Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. We are now addressed by the living Lord through his living word. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here in these spaces this morning. And fill us with your Holy Spirit to illumine the word of God to us that we would be molded, Father, by you, the living God. And remind us once again, O Lord, that like Angel was just saying, your motivation for sending your son Jesus to live with us, die for us, rise again, is overwhelming love to redeem your children. Spirit, would you bring us into the presence of this Christ? Give us faith where there's not faith. Give us conviction where there's doubt. Give us joy in the midst of our sorrow. And we ask this boldly, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen. You may be seated. How's everybody's Christmas and holidays? Good. Did, did people have, so one of my favorite types of categories of interesting conversation sometimes is holiday conversation or Christmas conversation. Did anybody have some either good or bad or strange conversations with friends or family members over the Christmas break? Some of us at least? It's what the holidays are for, because we come into these sort of different types of conversations than, than we usually have. And I would like to tell you a story about one of mine right now. It happened years ago, so, so I'm not coming in hot from like three days ago with, with Uncle Bob or anything. This, th- this happened actually when I was in college. I, I went away, uh, far away from where I grew up, grew up in New Orleans, went to college in New Hampshire was back for a break and was catching up with my high school buddies. And it was a lot of fun. And I was having one conversation with a high school friend of mine that I'll call John, catching up. Hey, what's going on in college? How you doing? And one of the big things for me that happened in college was that I started in a serious way to follow Jesus. And then a few months after that, felt called to be doing this with the rest of my life, to, to, to become a pastor. So I was telling John all about it, and this was a switch because not only did all of my friends know, but they had placed, uh, placed money on FanDuel that it was going to happen, that I was going to be the president and CEO of Chrysler Corporation. This was a switch. I said, the money is the same, <laughs> but it's different in other ways. The... Love Jesus, becoming a pastor, that's going to be my track. And for some of the conversation, it was just me 
giving uh, heartfelt, excited big picture about all of this. Yeah, I went to school thinking that I had everything put together, and I tried to project this front to other people that I had everything put together. I was a successful person, but also a really nice guy, a compassionate person, but then also somebody that liked to win, and all these different pieces, and I realized over time, I am just a sham, where I put up all of these facades, and my goals themselves even are pretty contradictory. I want to be a nice guy, but I also want to be a successful guy. Those two things don't always mix, and what do I do when I don't succeed, and when I fail, if I'm sort of at the top of things in my high school, at college, I'm just another fish in this large sea of overachievers. How do I deal with that? Do I try harder? Do I undercut other people? But I want to be a nice guy and all this mess and anxiety and stress, blah, 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 blah. Jesus is the answer. Reorders my life, gives me forgiveness and hope of a future that I don't deserve. That part of the conversation was good. And then midway through, and I think this part of the conversation was still good, but it got a little more difficult. It got harder. At one point, John said, hey, wait a second. All this stuff I'm tracking, I obviously don't, don't have the same faith commitment that you do, Jim, but okay, I get it. But, hold on. Does this mean that you're going to have to change your views on a lot of different things? And what John was identifying was he was putting, putting his finger on, okay, like Jim, I, and we were basically secular people growing up. And from what he'd heard about Christianity or church, hey, are there, there's some rough edges here. Tell, tell me about those. And this was late 90s. In some ways, John was ahead of his time as far as, hey, how are these pieces going to fit together? So what do we do with sex and sexuality? And so, like, hot-button issues. And in some ways, I grew up in New Orleans, like I mentioned, was ahead of its time. In other ways, it's kind of funny. New Orleans is always way behind. So the slogan of New Orleans could be way ahead of our time and way behind the times all the time. It's just this really weird type of city. But then just perennial questions that people will have about the gospel, too, where, okay, Jim, you're saying that this is true, and so there was some talk about the uniqueness of Christianity. Jim, are you saying that Christianity is true in a way that other philosophies, worldviews, etc., are, are not true or false? Talking back and forth about a lot of different things, and I said to John after a little bit, hey, I'm still working out all of these things. And then for some of these things, too, there are disagreements among Christians about what the Bible actually says and teaches. But, John, for me, as I continue to process things through and become more settled, at the end of the day, for me, if I believe that the Bible is here, I've got to get there. And it's not for me to change the scriptures. It's for the scriptures to change me. And I could see, metaphorically speaking, his head exploding in in those moments. And at one point I said, hey man, a big part of this is that I'm simply not my own authority anymore. This is what John said back, his words, not mine. Jim, that's suicide. And by that he meant, you're cutting your own head off. You, you've been a thoughtful person, a jerk. I hate you, but I love you, man, sort of stuff. But this is not you at all. Like, why, why are you turning off your brain all of a sudden and, and going in this other direction? And that, that, that rattled me. 
and frankly speaking, I still get rattled by that sometimes. If you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus, do you ever have those rattled moments where you think, maybe I'm the crazy guy or the crazy gal? Am I sure about all this stuff? It rattles us. But then we kept talking a little bit more, and I said, well, John, give me some updates about you. John wasn't doing that well in college. And I wanted to circle back around to the spiritual things aspect of the conversation. I said, well, John, you asked me earlier about what my authority is. What, what's your authority? And he said, well, I don't necessarily think in those terms, but me. I'm an authority. And the conversation was starting to shift at that point. I, okay, tell me more. He said, well, it's, it's me. It's my perspective, my views, my judgments, my values, whatever I decide. And backstory, I'd known John for a lot of years, middle school, high school, into college. John had a ton of problems, and mostly insecurity, anxiety stuff, but, but was always in pretty bad shape. And this is me as a 20-year-old, give or take, talking to a buddy of mine for a long time. I don't know if I should have said it this way. I don't think he took it bad, but I, I, I said, John, You've always been a miserable person. And he was like, I know. <laughs> I said, well, can I talk to you about how Jesus could actually be good news for you? And maybe, maybe all of these different thoughts are actually connected, and Jesus can actually really help connect some of these pieces as you come under his authority. And John said, No. I'm a mess, but it's mine. And that's the rub. For us here this morning, there's an invitation, if you're here worshiping in the room or online. And truly, this invitation is for all human beings all the time before the living Lord, the God of the universe, who came in Christ. We have an invitation to come under the authority of Jesus which on one hand is really hard. It's always been hard, not just in 2024, late modern West. It's always been hard for every culture around the world forever. But there is a flip side to that equation, namely this. What's so great about being your own boss all the time? How does that work out for us? And one of the calls, I believe, upon the church here in the late modern West for this period, is let us be the gadfly and just ask some questions. Not only that, but ask some questions. What if we have it backwards? And what if modern conceptions of freedom are actually forms of captivity? And while we think that Religion coming under an authority outside of oneself is suicide, straitjacket captivity. What if, in fact, that's actually what freedom looks like? What if it's backwards? And what if there's a better way? So let's talk in two parts here for the rest of the sermon from these couple of verses from Colossians. Let's talk about not being taken captive what God commands, and then we'll talk about some alternatives there, and then what's freeing. So don't be taken captive. 
what we're commanded with some alternatives, and then what's freeing. So what God commands, don't be taken captive. And I'm really excited to get back into the book of Colossians. I really enjoyed our Advent sermon series, The Servant Songs from Isaiah, but it's fun to get back to what we were in earlier in the fall. Jesus is everything. That's been the main point, the drumbeat of what Paul has been talking about so far in Colossians. Jesus is everything. And if Jesus is everything, don't mix Jesus with other stuff because then Jesus wouldn't be everything, and he's got to be everything. No Jesus plus, just Jesus alone, and don't be captive by the brand X's. Don't go into that captivity. And the timing wasn't great, but the last sermon we had in Colossians before going into Advent represented the major shift in Colossians so far from a long introduction going into the beginning of chapter 2 Now here's the meat of the letter moving forward. Paul is digging in. I started that verses 6 and 7 last week. And in our little chunk of verses, there is some review, but Paul continues to move forward. So the last couple of verses here, for in him, Christ, some of this is review. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. We talked about that last fall. And you have been filled in him who is the head, and this is the emphasis where things are going, the head of all rule and authority, adding traction. So Paul doubles down and says, the authority par excellence in the world by virtue of who he is and his crucifixion and resurrection is Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, who is the king, the king of kings, like we were singing about just a couple minutes ago. Paul said earlier this way, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Or one commentator about this passage puts puts it this way, strong words, but I think it represents what Paul is talking about here. Douglas Moo, Christ is the one in whom God exclusively is to be found the one through whom the world was created and through whom it is redeemed, the one who has decisively defeated all the hostile powers. According to Paul in Colossians, any teaching that in any way detracts from Christ's exclusive role is by definition both wrong and ineffective. And so if that's the case, Paul is able to say at the beginning of our sermon text in verse 8, don't be taken captive by this other stuff. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Don't be taken captive, first by philosophy. And as Paul is talking about philosophy here, it's not just philosophy in the, yeah, you can major if you want to be a really cool person in college, in in philosophy like this narrow stuff, but philosophy in this case means the technical nerdy stuff, but then also it can also be used just as like framework or worldview, or even mindset, whatever frames you, don't be captive by all of this other stuff. According to human tradition, it's got to come from God above, not just from schmoes like us. According to elemental spirits of the world. Now, just to pause here, this elemental spirits, many, many biblical studies PhDs have been minted on what this elemental spirits here means. It can mean elemental spirits like angels and demons, but it could also mean elemental principles of the world, so the nitty-gritty about the reality of life, the universe, and everything. And then it can also mean, depending on how you want to translate it, elemental elements. So in the ancient Greco-Roman world, 
all things, not just the earth, but the cosmos, were composed of these four major elements, earth and air and fire and water, like the 70s funk band, right? So it can mean these different things, and I believe that Paul had one thing in mind here versus these others, but it kind of doesn't matter because the payoff is the same. You see, in the ancient world, metaphysics and ethics are connected. Meaning the reality or the structure of all things, life, the universe, and everything, what it is, has a deep connection to the physical world and the spiritual world and the ethical world. So Paul is saying whatever is out there in the stew of the world, if it's not Jesus, pull away and don't get sucked in. For your mind and body and soul and spirit, for your walk, practicality, for your worldview, how you think, for you individually, for us collectively. Let it be Jesus through and through and through and through. And there are other alternatives. Let's think of, so that's what God commands. What are some alternatives to this? And going back to that conversation with my friend John, we're still friends. I love you, man. The, I, I just did a deep dive on the All Things Scottish SNL skit, which that comes from. Sometimes you tell people references. You don't just let them guess. That's one of those instances when they're really obscure. So, John, still a good friend of mine. So John is saying that I'm my own authority. That's not the whole story, and he would have, and in the conversation, he did. There, there are a ton of things by which John was influenced and let his worldview be formed in different ways. So it is with us. Like it or not, we have all of these outside shapers that shape what we think about life, the universe, and everything. What are they, typically speaking? Well, and, you know, different political stripes, ideological stripes will have different touchstones, but we all have them, so... Some set or another of experts or influencers really mold us. Some combination of media and social media and entertainment shape us constantly. As we think about globalism, for example, one of the deep resentments that the non-Western world has towards the Western world is that all of their kids are becoming Westerners. And that's not because they're reading these giant philosophical treatises put out by Western universities. It's because of TikTok and YouTube, and they're watching the same shows that we are. They're deeply forming them into a Western worldview. It doesn't just happen over there. It happens over here. Or various forms of public opinion or social media, we are formed and formed and formed and formed by those things. And we all have at least one, maybe more, tribes of final appeal where we want to be seen as cool and right and smart and okay and acceptable by X group of people. Maybe it is literally X. But one way or another, is it friends? Is it family? Is it some online connection? Is it coworkers? Is it classmates? Is it neighbors? Is it your third spaces, the mommy's group, or the daddy's group, or the club, or whatever it is? So it's not the whole story just to say, I'm a modern person, I'm my own authority. We're actually built to give a lot of that away anyway. 
And whether you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus or not, or somewhere in between, I think you could agree, we could agree that this is a good idea for everybody. Be clear in your own head about what your heads are, your sources of authority, what's molding you, what's shaping you. And from the perspective of Paul here in Colossians, in many cases, the common denominator of things that can be very, very different from one another, either as far as content or delivery, media or mode, the common denominator is it's not Jesus. Don't be taken captive there. The last according to in verse 8, and not according to Christ. Those are unworthy heads. And I believe that the scriptures teach, and I found it to be true in my own life, they're not going to free you. They're not freeing. But instead, let's talk about what is. When we think about coming under authority, just knee-jerk intuitive, is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? We'll tend to think, oh, of course it's bad. Yeah, you know, do we need to be our own authorities or not? That's why John told me, Jim, that's suicide. That's, that, that, that's just dumb. Don't do that especially when it relates to religious ideas, putting yourself under a religious authority. Even if you're committed to Christian, if you put it that way, you get a little nervous and skittish, right? So it's in the drinking water. Let, let's not follow any authority but our own. Uh, sociologist Alan Aronalt, way back in the 90s, put it this way, and it's only accelerated. Most of us in America believe a few simple propositions that seem so clear and self-evident they scarcely need to be said. Choice is a good thing in life, and the more of it we have, the happier we are. Authority is inherently suspect. Nobody should have the right to tell others how to think or behave. That's just true, or we think it is. And especially when it comes to religious ideas, any type of external authority is automatically bad. And I meant to mention a minute earlier, talking about all of the brand X's, uh, another really big source of our authority. A lot of times, even though we don't think about it in terms of authority, is when we listen to other people's lived experience. Which is always really important, and of course, should we listen to other people's lived experience, yes or no? Yes. But it's possible that we live in a moment now when lived experience, especially when it's difficult lived experience, can become over-determinative of truth about everything. Well, if you've experienced this, if you've felt this, it's got to be true for everybody in all cultures and in all times. And that's where I start to get a little bit nervous. And again, that's where non-Western resentments come towards Western, West, Western resentments. That's also, for example, why Hollywood is terrified by TikTok, to paint in some broad strokes too. When we're not influenced as much anymore by movie stars, and kind of the presenting beautiful, 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 what's so much more compelling to us is any number of people on social platforms that give lived experience of brokenness. And I don't necessarily think one's better than the other. It's just interesting either way. We're, we're less compelled by the beauty, but now more compelled by the broken. If you tell me a story of something that's broken, you have me all day. People of nuance, there's some good things in that, but then it can also get a little tricky when a lived experience says the last thing that you need in your life is any type of religious authority. And I get why people get there, because the church has done some really, really bad things that we need to listen to, repent of, and all of that. 
But if it's only, I was burned by X, then being a follower of Jesus becomes really problematic really, really quickly when we let that be our authority. And when we take that in and say, I'm going to let all of this stew filter into me, and now I'm going to make the judgment call completely free because I'm a free person. But it's not that simple, too, including in this specific way. What's so awesome about that at the end of the day, being your own boss, being your own authority? Is it really all awesome all the time for us to think, I just need to do what I want. And all I need in my life is to be me all the time. David Foster Wallace, a writer that died a few years ago, but I think had his finger on the pulse on a lot of things, puts the question this way. He could be a fast talker and a fast writer. So picture this at like 1.25 speed, or 1.5 speed, what I'm about to say. For me, the last few years have seemed a bit like the way you feel when you're in high school and your parents go on a trip and you throw a party. Current high schoolers, I'm sure you don't do this. For a while, it's great, free and freeing, parental authority gone and overthrown. But then, time passes, and the party gets louder and louder, and nobody's got any money, and things get broken and spilled, and you're the host, and it's your house too, and you gradually start wishing your parents would come back and restore some order in your house. This may or may not have happened to me exactly in high school. It's 3 a.m., and we're wishing the revel would end. We're kind of wishing some parents would come back. What if this modern era of total freedom ends up a little bit like, and if there's one social media discussion I never need again coming out of the holidays is the is Die Hard a Christmas movie conversation. I really don't care, but think about this one. Uh, <laughs> what if, like, modern self is Kevin towards the end of Home Alone. Where it's great for a little while to be totally free. But then at the end, you miss a little structure. You miss your mom and dad. And where is this taking us? Are we becoming more satisfied people? Or the longer we go, are we just getting more confused, more disillusioned, more cynical, and more hopeless? And if the latter, are we sure that we want to keep doubling down? I've mentioned youth statistics, and I understand that some of you are youth. I don't want to sound like I'm piling on you or that it's your fault. In fact, what I'm about to say is it's our fault, older generations. But if statistics across the board are young people are more fragile than they've ever been, more confused, more anxious, more tentative, less whole than ever. And I have a couple college professors in my life. In fact, I have a call with a good friend of mine, college professor, coming tomorrow. One of the things that I've heard him talk about over the years is how college students are decreasingly prepared when they show up on campus to be human beings over time. Not just academic skills are on the wane, but keeping a schedule balancing a bank account. We, we just don't know how to do that stuff anymore, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. What do we do with all of that stuff? Or if you're a high school teacher, you see these trends, right? Or if you're, if you're in any type of academia or teaching. 
are we sure that we just want to double down? And somebody like my friend John, he might say this specifically, I've, I've never asked him, but he might think, well, you know, if, if people are becoming more fragile, destabilized, less resilient, less whole, well, that's just bugs in the system, and they're listening to the wrong voices or the extreme voices. Let, let's just keep going, but eliminate some of those, like, fringy stuff, and we'll be fine. But Church's Gadfly, I think, can ask the question instead, what if, if the whole late modern Western system is increasingly producing broken people? What if that's not a bug, but a feature of a broken system and set of ideologies that no coincidence is producing broken people? And I would say it's probably that. And I know that there's a lot of anxieties, fears, and opinions in the room as Israel and Palestine stuff continue. I think there are two basic ways to look at that, for example. And, you know, we can dialogue more about this, but, but here's, here's one pass at it. Either you could say one of the views in all of the arguments, college campuses and otherwise right now, well, one of these sides is right, and then all the other sides just need to be quiet. Or is what we're experiencing now and what we're witnessing the failure of secularity and ideologies when it comes to stuff like justice and ethnicity and race to bring any measure of help and justice and fairness and healing and wholeness at all. And I think it's that. And yes, as a follower of Jesus, sometimes I'm rattled. Am I the crazy guy? Is all of this true? But if you're a spiritual seeker or also somebody that's skeptical of spiritual realities most of the time, would you also be rattled a little bit and say, hey, maybe after all, there could be something to me listening to what Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ, and come, over a, come under a different type of head. One of the things that I'll hear people say, media otherwise, a lot, is I just feel trapped. I feel trapped, one way or another. What if that feeling trapped is a form of captivity, and it's Jesus that can truly set you free? Liberty Youth, John, this term. The Jesus of John's gospel, very similar to the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course, that Jesus talks a lot about obedience. That Jesus talks a lot about his full divinity and divine authority over all things and all people. But this Jesus also says, as you come to me in full obedience and full renunciation of your own authority and reception of mine, this is how a human being can be free. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, this is John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Liberty is Latin for free people. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. There's that captivity. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Or communally, how do we get along with one another? Well, in the body of Christ, if you're not your own authority— 
and Jesus is your authority instead, that lets you be a person of meekness and forgiveness and truth to all of those around you as we practice grace and mercy and forgiveness to actually get along. And for people that are different than we are, we, we're not threatened by them, we're not angry at them, we're not suspect of them, but instead we move towards them in love and humility. The Apostle Paul talking about the church's body of Christ expands the metaphor. Within the body of Christ, different sorts of people, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Living that ethic out, even among friends and family over the holidays, that'll give you a better holiday. Here's a little bit of lived experience. So that conversation with John was a long time ago. Sometimes I can be really cranky over the holiday. Do you know why? Because I work harder than all of you right before the holiday. Okay? And so when all of you people, the later it gets in December, are starting to focus more and more on hanging Christmas lights, wrapping presents, baking cookies, fantasy football, fun stuff for you, I'm still working hard because late December is a big time at church. And then when I get together with family, after that whole Super Bowl season of Christmas and family members expect me to be every bit as on duty as I just was professionally, now to do it for family, total martyr complex. I'm the guy that's been working. I'm the one that needs a break. Now, all of you crackpots suddenly need a lot of attention. That's sometimes why my holiday and Christmas break doesn't go great. Two things can change. All of that never is. Or me. And we're going to talk about next week by the Holy Spirit of God, I can change by God's Spirit and power. And what if I get over my own martyrdom complex and just enter a crazy Christmas holiday saying, I'm here to be present and serve people and not care so much about what I'm going to get out of this break, but think about what I can give, how I can be additive and positive to other people because Jesus supremely by way of salvation and forgiveness is additive towards me. When things don't go my way, that's fine because I'm not my own authority and I'm not your authority. Jesus has got me and got this and got us. That's a recipe for wholeness as we're held by Jesus, as we come under his headship and authority. And the great thing about Jesus and his rule and authority, this is where we'll wrap up, is that Jesus is our ruler and head. There's a representative piece, a headship piece, but it's not just he's our head and we're external to him. Jesus is organically connected to us as well as our head. He's our source of life. And part of that connection to us is grace because this is the one that died for all of our mess and our sin and our self and our selfishness. Paul says earlier in Colossians, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, similar theme here, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
steps from here. Recognize who your heads, who your authorities are. If they're not according to Christ, delete them. And if you're not sure, ask other people. Hey, is this a voice that I should be letting influence me to the extent that it is? What's your take? And press ahead. In this new year, walking with the Christ who is everything. And when we receive his rule and his authority, he frees us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later. <laughs>